Hello everyone and welcome to the Wilds cast. Today's episode is a conversation about 2020 with Rabbi Mark Wilds and Rabbi Ezra Cohen. The two look back at this historic year, what they've learned, how they coped with the pandemic, and the passing of three great Jewish luminaries. And then they look ahead at what 2021 has in store. So without any further ado, here's their conversation. Uh, hello, hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to a very special Lunch and Learn. Uh, as you can see, this is not the normal uh, Lunch and Learn setup we, that, that we normally have. Uh, I am Benjamin Cohen. I'm going to be the moderator uh, of this Lunch and Learn. And we are joined by, to, by, First. My, brother, <laughs> by my brother, Ezra, Rabbi Ezra Cohen on this side from the Frozen Tundra. Where are you, Ezra? Um, in an undisclosed location. Um, I, I, uh, I call it Manhattan in quotes. Uh, so I'm working from Manhattan today. Um, it's a little cold. Um, uh, some fresh air over here in Manhattan. Um, but um, I'm at my uh, office and uh, it's been a busy, beautiful day. Uh, glad to be joining you, my brother, as well as my other brother. Um, it says Mark Wilds, but uh, it should say uh, a lot, a lot more before that name, Mark Wilds. Uh, I'll let uh, Binyamin uh, do the intro. Uh, well, of course, the uh, needs no introduction. But here, I did that a lot more. We don't need. Uh, I, think everyone, I think everyone's familiar with, uh, you know, with who we are. Uh, I think what's really exciting here is, is to have two brothers, and you realize that these two brothers were not even the brothers that I knew growing up. I knew a third brother, Rabbi Donnie Cohn, who was the rabbi in Stamford. He was one that uh, got me into all this other Cohn trouble with you guys. Yeah. Uh, I tried to loop him in on the conversation today, but oh, yeah? Um, yeah, he's uh, he's running around uh, doing his synagogue work in Stamford. But uh, he said at a future time, January 2021, we can do it all together, all four of us. Mm. Nice. We'll, we'll, have to, we'll have to alert. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook ahead of time because that's probably going to crash, crash yeah. the servers at Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so today we wanted to, as the year, as 2020, the wacky year that was 2020, uh, comes to a close. Thank you, Howard. <laughs> uh, we wanted to kind of look back at this historic year, and I wanted to ask Rabbi uh, Wiles and Rabbi uh, Rabbi Cohen. Uh, about their thoughts and look back at this year, the year of 2020, the year that was, and also pivot and look ahead a little bit at uh, 2021 and hopefully a brighter, better future. So Rabbi Wilds, let's just kind of take a look back, go back to March, kind of give us like a, a broad picture. When the pandemic first hit, you know, what were your initial worries about uh, keeping MJE moving forward? Oh boy. You know, I still have flyers out from Purim at MGE on the 10th floor. We moved back inside this past Shabbat, and I saw the MGE annual dinner, which got canceled, and Purim. And I'll give credit to Rabbi Ezra for convincing me to um, to, to shut down MGE for Purim. I wasn't able to go because I, uh, I realized that I got a nice hug from a friend who tested positive for COVID. So I called Ezra and I said, listen, you're going to have to run 
Purim without us, without me, because I'm going to be quarantined here. And most synagogues, by the way, were were staying open. Purim, I think most synagogues did stay open. And Ezra said to me, "Look, we can do this without you," and which, of course, made me feel wonderful. We don't really, really need you for this, but I think I think it's a mistake. I, I think the safe thing to do, the medically sound thing, the Torah thing to do, mm. is to close. And I was like, a Torah thing to close on Purim. Purim is like it's like our meat and potatoes. It's our bread and butter. Like we have hundreds and hundreds of people coming coming Purim, and like we that we we outdo ourselves in the costumes, and like it's one thing me not being there, but like shutting the whole operation down. And I'll start off by expressing a of gratitude to Ezra because um, we 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 shut down, and we did two things by shutting it down. First of all, I think we prevented some people from getting sick. Unfortunately, a lot of people got sick on Purim. And number two. Um, we made a important point, an educational point, that health comes first, and we have stick, we've stuck with that mantra all of these months, and 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 not gone to the other extreme and say we can't do anything. We have to just cocoon ourselves in our homes, do everything online. We've done a lot in person, um, and as I said, you know, we've been out uh, the MGE Minion on the rooftop and. We've been we've been all the kosher restaurants. We were in um, Ezra. Where were we? We were in. Uh, we, we've been all over. We've been in Chelsea Piers. We've been on the streets of uh, the Upper East Side, the Upper West Side. Um, but uh, I got to tell you, I, I really felt, um, and to no one's fault, that I was uh, going to be the Grinch who stole Purim, um, because that is the most joyous day on the Jewish calendar. It's the time where we do congregate. Um, and we do it in a real, you know, celebration filled kind of way with drinking and eating. And if there's any time on the calendar where we are like all over each other and like, we don't really worry about maybe hygiene or sanitization or, um, right. you know, guidelines and protocol and just kind of letting it loose, it's Purim. And, um, we want to be able to do that once in a while. And I, I had a little more of an intimate I would say exposure uh, to COVID, um, not personally in that I was, um, you know, hugging someone who had um, the uh, the COVID nineteen, but um, I had a family, um, a relative, a brother uh, who was in New Rochelle uh, the week um, before, where they had already begun to shutter things at the Young Israel of New Rochelle. Someone, I think it was patient one. Uh, came from their own community. Uh, this is a modern Orthodox community, which uh, many of our members, uh, donors, and uh, participants had relatives. So what we were seeing in the news was actually very much um, a reality for me, and I felt like for our community um, on the Upper West Side. So um, it wasn't something that you were just kind of reading or seeing about. Uh, I felt that it was something which was here, present, and uh, was going to become our reality in short order. So um, my brother was telling me that the National Guard was being brought into New Rochelle and uh, on that Sunday. And then, you know, about an hour later, I was on the phone. So are we going to be continuing Purim on Tuesday? I'm like, well, if they got everything taken care of in New Rochelle, you know, let's just go ahead with things in the city on Tuesday night. We'll be fine. But uh, with a virus, there is no sense of containment and control, as we've seen, right? 
it's continued for nine plus months. So uh, I kind of felt like uh, if we can do um, something substantive and meaningful, which thank God in 2020 technologically, you know, it's not the same as being in person, but if we can provide a, um, an experience for people to hear the Megillah, uh, to join together, whether it's over Zoom or Facebook, and we can do it safely, um, that was of, uh, of, of, of most import to make sure that people were healthy and well. And um, there was a lot of unknowns in March. You know, you look back at it now and we're able to see in retrospect it was the right decision. But I by no means knew that it was the right decision. I just had this sense that uh, there was impending doom and uh, we should do everything we can to prepare for it and uh, protect our community as best as we can. So, um, you know. I, I, I give big kudos to our entire team at MJE who pulled together an amazing uh, Kriya Tamagila, uh, Rabbi Avi Heller and the staff who pivoted and uh, was able to create a, uh, a beautiful virtual experience for hundreds of people. And we continued to do so literally uh, days and weeks after um, March, April, May, June uh, to provide substantive educational uh, meaningful content and programming. And Rabbi Wilds, you know, has been um, amazing. And all of his uh, Torah that he's offered, uh, probably well over a thousand snippets or lectures and classes and talks over the past nine months, uh, he's gone into overdrive in terms of his, uh, his teaching. And it's, uh, it's a real kudos and uh, Hakara Satov and appreciation to, uh, to Rabbi Wilds, who's been our fearless leader and um, we've been able to, I think, not just survive during this time, but to thrive because of Rabbi Wilds' leadership. So thank you, my friend, Rabbi Wilds. <laughs> That's very kind. So you, how, how easy was it for MJE to adapt and evolve to this new normal? And obviously the MJE is a very in-person, you know, with Friday nights and classes. So how easily or how are you able to, to adapt and still maintain the amount of, uh, you know, cure of work? over the course of the yeah, year. I mean, so I'll tell you, we, we, um, it was simpler when we were in total shutdown in a sense, because when we were in total shutdown, we knew that from a Torah perspective, we had no, we could not get together. The law didn't allow for it. And even if the law did technically, it was unsafe. Um, what became a little more complicated, I think was already like June, July. Okay. When we, people were starting to come back out, um, the numbers went down. The summer came. Remember the summer, and it wasn't as bad. And now we have to like do both. And um, and and I think that that to me was was complicated because like how much do we do outside? How much do we stay inside? When we had to stay inside, it was pretty simple. We're just going to do everything we can within the bounds of Jewish tradition to stay online. Period. And I think the most creative thing we did. I don't remember whose idea. Maybe this was Ezra's idea too was uh, for the Pesach Seder, I was so, I, I felt so badly for so many of our students who were going to be alone, not with their parents, literally in, an, an, in, a, in, a, in a studio apartment in Manhattan, alone for Pesach. And we couldn't figure out a halachic way of getting around all of the electronic stuff. So somebody came up with the idea, we'll call a rabbi in LA, our dear friend, Yona Bookstein. He's going to do a Zoom, which is three hours, you know, before before the holiday, so it's not the holiday for him. He can operate electricity. And we'll just tell people to put on their computers before Shabbat, before the holiday starts. And we had over 400 people that participated in that. We actually teamed up with the Jewish Center because they were elderly 
people from the synagogue and from the Upper West Side and elsewhere also in the same predicament. And we all, we banded together and I thought that was really great. So, but what I think to me, what was, what's been the most challenging is, is when we can do a little of both. Like tonight, I just got a text from Zahava, from our you know, member of our staff, tomorrow night's fellowship classes in person or completely online. So we were doing both and we were, we've been outside in person for whoever feels comfortable coming outside and, and sitting there with a mask, six feet open outside, but it got too cold to go outside. So this past Shabbat, for example, for services, we came inside and um, we bought a big screen so that the people who are there in person can see all the people on Zoom. We, we, I, we hired a tech, we hired a, my friend Gary Wallen, who I've been taught me how to play the drums many years ago. He's, he's a tech guy and he's, so it's just like, you know, Yehuda Sarnet said it the best when I interviewed him last week, uh, chief rabbi of Dubai now. He said that you got to do double or triple the amount of work for about 25% of the people. And, right. and that is, and that shows a real dedication that we used to have 100 to 120 people coming every Saturday for services. Now we have 25. We cut it off at 25. Same amount of work. Got to prepare the same drasha got to pay the same caterer, the food and the facility and the whole thing. And, uh, but listen, I, and I'm really, really proud that, you know, we care about our people and we care to be out there for the people that feel comfortable enough to be out there and online for those who don't. So we're, we're trying to hit all sides basically. Yeah. It's, uh, there, there's the Yiddish saying, I mean, I don't know what the source of it is. It says, nish to hen, nish to hair. But the truth is, we've been hen and hair because <laughs> um, we understand that um, while things are opening up, they are not open. So it still is challenging for people uh, handling, um, you know, issues of crowds and transportation and, um, you know, leaving their home and, and feeling that there's an uptick in COVID and uh, they potentially could be putting their health um, you know, in harm. So there's people who are more local who have been coming around, but we felt that we needed to continue to serve a community which is larger than just the Upper West Side, um, which is even larger than New York City. And I think we've had um, an opportunity now during these nine months to really reach out to people who are at a distance and we haven't necessarily catered or served um, because we've really been focused on our home base. Uh, so there's something I think uh, a benefit uh, to going online is that our reach uh, has grown, I think, tremendously. Um, but, yeah, we, we need to continue to stoke the flames of our community in person and wherever and whenever possible. We are meeting safely. But, uh, you know, during the winter when it's freezing cold outside, it's not simple. Um, yeah. Going back to what you were just saying, like I I've noticed, you know, watching the MJE Facebook lives and things, you know, I've been seeing comments from people in Israel. I think there's been some people in Russia, you know, so you're kind of, it's almost, it's almost like a blessing in disguise a little bit that you've been able to reach uh, other people. Speaking of, of the people, I'm curious to know, do you think that 2020 has helped or hurt people's ability to be religious? Well, well, I mean, I think overall, I mean, I hate to say it, I don't want to be a downer. Maybe Ezra, you disagree with me, but I mean, it really, it, it's just, everybody's different. Everybody's different. I think overall it's, it's, 
I think for people whose Judaism has been largely social, um, you know, um, the whole social, for example, orthodoxy movement took basically a gut punch during COVID uh, because people who are invested spiritually, intellectually, who are coming to synagogue primarily to meet, and I'm not judging that, and I'm not saying that's a terrible thing. I'm, we're, we're there for everyone. And I know that out of the 120 people who come every Shabbat to MJE, you know, X amount of them are coming because of the social environment and not so, simply because of the prayers. So I think that's been very damaging to people. The whole social component of Judaism, which has been such a great draw for us, a hook for the work Ezra and I have been doing all these years, and the rest of our staff that like, you know, we, we've lost that, um, you know, that path, you know, for, for people. On the other hand, and I've spoken to a lot of people about this, for those whose Judaism is quite personal and spiritual and deep, some people prefer praying at home <laughs> than, than going to shul. Some people have been able to find more personal value and meaning in 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 just being more um, meditative and and individual about the way they're practicing their Judaism, and for those individuals, this might have been. I'm, I, I've I've heard colleagues and friends of mine say that they just like, you know, they like um, they like praying at home. Uh, not, it's not good for shul business. Um, I've also heard a lot of you know, and this is more for families, but. A lot of rabbis, and Ezra and I have spoken about this, you know, we don't get a chance to spend a lot of time with our families on Shabbat. You know, my uh, my father always likes to say, you know, I raised a religious kid who, you know, he's supposed to rest on Shabbos. You know, the last thing we do on Shabbos is rest. We're like, we're running around like crazy men. And I know that our good friend, Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg, he wrote about this, like, the, he doesn't remember the last time in the rabbinate where he could just finish a meal and sit and hang out with his kids when the meal was over. He'd be running back to the shul to teach a class, running to someone's home for a Shalom Zachar or a Friday night thing. Uh, who knows? And I have to tell you, I, it's really been wonderful. Um, you know, we get a little sick of each other also. Maybe it's been a little too much. But uh, I think those, those have been some positives. The, the, the hunkering down with the family has been very, very powerful. And I think the meditative individual. But overall, the social thing, it's been, it's been very hard on people. And we have struggled, Ezra and I, and the rest of the staff, to keep some of those MGE participants connected to us. Um, yeah. They, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not just, I mean, that that's on one level, right? So we haven't been able to get together as a community. But, you know, when you actually begin to stop and think about this pandemic's effect on people's lives, right? So economically and financially, a lot of people have been furloughed and laid off from jobs. A lot of people are dealing with uh, friends and relatives who are sick and ill. Uh, a lot of people are dealing with um, issues of, um, of real depression and loneliness. So, um, you know, that is a, a whole nother, you know, um, aspect of, of um, you know, of, of, of sadness in our community that I don't think we really had to confront uh, the last, you know, nine months. Um, you know, thank God we live in New York City and most people who were coming around were employed. Uh, we deal with a young demographic and most people were healthy. And the fact that we could socialize, people I think were a little bit um, more joyous and more um, full of, um, you know, of, of a sense of, uh, 
you know, camaraderie and happiness with one another. But th there is this undertone, you know, of um, a real challenge for people now. And, um, you know, that, that's uh, so we, we've had to figure out uh, new ways to address that. And, um, you know, we tried to create something called um, it's a version of Network MJE where we can hopefully connect people, um, you know, looking who are now out of work. Uh, perhaps to find new positions uh, and other employment um, to the people that are dealing with um, Shiva houses and the people that are, um, you know, dealing with, um, you know, loss. Uh, you know, we've done, uh, I know Rebel Wiles has, and myself have been involved in uh, Zooming and uh, to visit people and to, uh, to, to meet with people over the phone and, and, and over Skype. And, um, and the loneliness, we even try within our own programming not to have one-dimensional kind of classes. If you, if you look on the Facebook page, you'll see that there's a, a social thread to a lot of our online programming. Uh, we've done um, Trivia Night. Uh, we do Tasty Kitchen where you can sit in your own uh, home and uh, learn how to cook a Shabbos, uh, a Shabbos meal. Um, we, do, um, we, we do other... Um, I would say um, a, a Zoom a group, uh, getting to know you, charades. We're, we're trying to deal with all of these kind of um, new challenges that people are grappling with during the pandemic. Um, it's, it's not easy. I think every organization is probably trying to deal with, you know, job loss and health and loneliness, but uh, we're, 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 we're adapting and modifying to the best that we can to address these, uh, these concerns. But, um, you know, it'll be so much better when we're back. Um, I believe there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, the year ending kind of Hanukkah and hearing about a vaccine, I think, uh, gives people uh, a great sense of hope, um, which, uh, is really important at the end of the day. Right. So, um, in, uh, in the summer when you're dealing, uh, you know, with uh, Corona and COVID, and uh, there seems to be no end in sight, uh, that can be daunting and overwhelming. Uh, but uh, just the idea of maintaining the hope and the dream is something which we can go into 2021 and I think uh, hopefully can fuel uh, a nice new resurgence and a, a rebirth of, of, of our community and the Jewish community. Um, you, yeah. you forgot to mention with the variety of... Um Facebook lives, you forgot to mention the most interesting one to me is always watching Rabbi Wilds show us how to make a frothy Nespresso before his <laughs> lunch and lunch. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I, I don't know. This has totally kept me. Uh, I'm on a strict decaf latte diet since the COVID started. Like two or three yeah. of these a day. It's totally keeping me going. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we try to make it, you know, it's not easy, you know, um, going from teaching in person to teaching online. You know, I want to once again commend our educators, our MJE team, um, that they make as best as they can um, the content that they're giving over technologically, that it's in a real personal, it's got a real personal touch to it. Like you do see Rabbi Wiles holding up his latte and, right. um, Allison and Kevin and people just being really comfortable and feeling that uh, they're not talking to a screen. Um, I saw Scott Shapiro say hello. Scott's with us all the time. And the <laughs> fact that we can like, you know, we, we talk about that in meetings, you know, how can we make um, this virtual experience feel more personal? And um, 
I'm not looking on the Facebook stream right now, but you know, Binyamin or Rabbi Wiles, if you are, we should we should recognize everybody who's watching right now. Yeah. Say hello. Good to have you here, guys. Thank you for checking in during your lunch. Yeah, there's Daniel. Happy Tuesday, Happy. Daniel Abram. Long time no see, buddy. <laughs> there's a good example. Of, you know, Daniel was, was coming, but we haven't seen him in, in a long time. And he's a little more connected to us, um, you know, than, than he was. You know, like uh, all a whole bunch of our alumni. We started this uh, WhatsApp alumni chat during this period mm -hmm. of time. It's gotten a little more active. I'm doing my WhatsApp three to five minutes of Torah every day. And I got about 400 people on it now. And most of that was built during COVID. Mm -hmm. so we're, um, and it, it is allowing us to be more connected with a larger audience. Just on a personal human level, you know, I miss, I'm sitting here in my dining room and at an empty table. And I miss my students on Shabbos. My wife and I love spending all this downtime with our kids but we miss spending downtime with our students and our friends. We really, really miss that. You know, it's a tease. I go on Shabbos to run the minion and then I come home and it's like, I want to bring some people home. I've been doing this for literally 25 years and it's just awkward. It's weird. Uh, and I'm looking forward to, to that changing. Yeah. You know, oh, well, well, I know that Rebel Wiles mentioned the WhatsApp group. So just, you know, I'm overseeing some of the operations at MJ. Can you please put up that link? or that QR code so people can join it. Might as well, right? It's a great five minutes of Torah to start your day. And uh, I try to listen um, every single day to the wonderful words of Rabbi Wiles. And it's, like I said, just five minutes, but it's a great way to start your day with some inspirational Torah. So Binyamin, if you could uh, put that up online. I don't I, know if I, there's I, a way to do that. I'm sending you the uh, link. I'm sending you the link, Binyamin. Okay. Uh, I'll put it in the comments, but also if you just go to jewishexperience.org, uh, you'll see the link to Rabbi Wild's WhatsApp group. And um, if you're not That's a WhatsApp, I see it. And if you're not a WhatsApp uh, person, it's also um, packaged as a daily morning uh, podcast uh, that can get sent to your phone, or you could ask your Amazon Alexa to please tell you Rabbi Wild's Torah for the day. So, um, so, uh, yeah, so here's the link. I'm going to put the link right now, and then I have a, a question for the two of you. The link is going mm -hmm. in the chat right now. Um, so, obviously, we've been talking a lot about the pandemic and the impact that has had, and obviously it's been historic, monumental, nothing any of us have ever experienced in our lifetime. But, you know, 2020 has had other things happen, and one of the things that sticks out to me is we've lost a lot of Torah greats this year. You know, Rabbi Norman Lamb passed away from Yeshiva University. Rabbi Adin Steinzaltz, you know, the famous Steinzaltz Talmud. And most recently, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, you know, the former chief rabbi of, of, uh, of the UK. How has that impacted you, I guess, more on a personal level? I know, Rabbi Wilde, you often give over uh, Divrei Torah based on Rabbi Sachs's uh, teachings. So how has that impacted you? So, so first of all, I'll, I'll tell you when it really hit me. It hit me that these three grades died. I mean, it hit me every single time when they were we were all davening for Rabbi Sachs for that month beforehand when, they, when the office of Chief Rabbi Sachs sent out that memo that he's battling cancer. Um, and I had a very personal relationship with Rabbi uh, Lamb of blessed memory right before we were about to get on the line with um, Senator Lieberman just a few weeks ago. You, host, you helped us with that, Binyamin. And by the way, I just want to say something before I get into this. 
Benjamin, you have been extraordinarily helpful to the Manhattan Jewish experience. You have been a tried and true, consistent resource to get us out there in such a clear and simple way. I, I just, I, I, this podcast should not go without us just expressing our karsatov to you because uh, you, you're just like, you're so solid and it's just been so helpful. So I just really want to say thank you. Amen. Amen. Um, so this was the 25th year of my mother's yard site and we had Senator Lieberman. Many of you watched it. And if you haven't, you can scroll down and see it and it's on my podcast. And right before we got on, my brother and I were having a little banter with the Senator and then he pulled off for a second. And I said to my brother, Michael, I'm like, Michael, I just realized like Rabbi Sachs, Rabbi Lamb, Rabbi Adin Steinsatz, they were all three speakers at MJE in this slot, in this Ruth Wilde's memorial lecture series. Should I say something? And my brother was like, you're going to just create this very sad, dour, you know, energy as we introduce the senator. So, you know, I'll yeah. say something at the end. And he did at the end. But it's been it's been quite devastating. Um, Rabbi Lamb was a major part of my life, part of Ezra's life, part of your all the Cohen's. I mean, on my smicha and your smicha, on our ordination from Yeshiva University, it's his signature. And um, I had the honor of praying next to him in the next row at the Jewish Center. He was the rabbi of the Jewish Center before he became the president and then chancellor of Yeshiva University. And then he stayed on the Upper West Side and prayed at the Jewish Center every Shabbos. He used to come up to MJE. I've had him speak at MJE. I went to his house every year after we named the fellowship program in his honor. Um, and I used to take one of my boys every year to his apartment and just sit with him and go through the brochure and describe to him this person and that person. He'd have such nachas. He loved what we were doing. He was not only such a brilliant scholar, he was just one of the most genteel, sweet people that I ever knew. And, um, and it was just sad, you know, I paid a shiva call during, you know, to his wife because she had lost her sister right before COVID, Jill and I, my wife and I went. And then she passed away. And then he died and they, you know, it shows how close they were. They literally passed away within like 40 days of each other. Um, thank you. Yeah. I mean, he's just such a, uh, and he was just really just an extraordinary personality. He had a huge impact on my whole family. Um, maybe we'll send a picture. Ezra uh, and I have a great shot with us and Rabbi Pinney. And I think Rabbi Avi, all, all of the MG rabbis at the time with Rabbi Lamb, he was our teacher. Uh, and he was such a gracious, elegant man. Um, and just, we're still working off of his Torah. And I don't have to tell anybody about Rabbi Sachs, about how, you know, I had a personal connection with him. He spoke at MG, my brother was his immigration lawyer. I'll tell you something quickly, and I don't mean to take up all the time. I just, my brother told me that that Rabbi Sachs said to him just about two years ago, he says, Michael, I'm probably not going to need your legal services anymore because I really need to spend more time in London, uh, not traveling as much so I can write. And it was almost in, in a sense, like a sense that he had because he was taken so quickly from us. Um, he was still like literally in the, in the prime of his speaking of his writing. He, I just saw a TED talk he gave, and then I saw this other interview. He was interviewed by the deputy 
minister of Australia. It was a brilliant interview. It was literally a few months ago. Um, and, uh, you know, and then finally, Adin Steinsaltz, oh my God, Rabbi Steinsaltz wrote 60 books. The man wrote 60 books. He translated the entire, he also spoke at MJ, and 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 I'll just tell you a quick story also, and I'm sorry to, my dad was an immigration, uh, my father practiced immigration law his whole life, he should live and be well, and and he taught a course at Cordova. Ezra, I don't know if you ever heard the story. It's an amazing story. Richard Joel was the associate dean of Cordova. And he was bringing a Dean Steinsaltz, this great, incredibly um, erudite scholar, from room to room. And he brings him to my father's classroom. My dad probably had about 50, 60 students. And he was teaching immigration law. And my father saw Richard Joel, who was the past president of YU. And at the time, he was the associate director of Associate Dean of Cardoza Law School, my dad was teaching. And my father saw Rabbi Steinsaltz just standing in the back. And my father said, I just want to take this opportunity to recognize one of the greatest legal scholars of our generation, Adin Steinsaltz. And he turned to Rabbi Steinsaltz and he put him on the spot. And he said, if you would like to share anything with my class, it would be a great honor. And Steinsaltz then turns to my father and says, what are you teaching about? And my father said, immigration. And he then delivered a 45-minute lecture off, completely off the cuff on the Jewish legal approach and philosophical approach to immigration and refugees. Um, wow. it, was, it was unbelievable. So I, And these three rabbinic giants were really, they were our rebbeim in our world that we studied in and that we grew up in and the modern Orthodox world that we're trying to bring MG ears into. Mm -hmm. They were really our our rebbeim and our teachers, and to lose all of them in this short period of time was 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 quite devastating. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, you know, Rabbi Wilds, um, I think had a more intimate relationship uh, with each of these Torah giants and greats, um, and uh, you spoke so beautifully about uh, your relationship. I know, I I, I would see with Rabbi Lamb, uh, you were literally mashamish. Uh, you would every time he would walk into shul and walk out of the Jewish center. Um, you know, some of the, uh, I would say, younger generation, you know, would perhaps just see this as an older man, you know, uh, struggling to get to his seat in shul. But um, we both uh, recognized the, um, the sacredness and holiness of Rabbi Lamb, you know. And um, I just saw the beautiful way that uh, you always stood by his side and welcomed him and gave him the kavod and respect that he so much deserves and deserved. And uh, they were all, all of these Torah giants were inspirations to me. I, I, I could just, when I begin to think about my, my first real exposure to Torah, um, I want to give a big shout out to my father. He was the principal of Yeshiva High School and, and I definitely had Torah uh, learning over there, but it was when I first went off to Israel. You know, I, I took my Shana Alf here, I went to Or Yerushalayim, and I suddenly realized that. Um, you know, learning Gemara wasn't so easy. It was a, a difficult task. And I remember going off to the side room and pulling off a Steinsaltz. <laughs> and uh, it opened up the door for like this amazing part of our tradition called the Gemara, right? Uh, the Torah Shabbal Peh. And uh, Rabbi Steinsaltz wanted to create a, um, you know, Torah for all. That it wasn't just, you know, the academics and the more cerebral and spiritual minded people, but that everybody could unlock the key. And it's not just to, 
you know, the Torah Shabbat Peh, but, but, the, but the Gemara was an opportunity for us to begin to learn critical thinking and to, in turn, learn more about ourselves. So, um, I, you know, I, I, I think and am inspired to, uh, to the works of Rabbi Steinzaltz for, for beginning to allow me on that kind of journey of, of self-actualization and searching. And then I went off to YU. And Rabbi Lamb and Yeshiva University kind of represented to me my place in Judaism. You know, it was the first time where, where there was such pride in this concept of Torah Umada, of modern orthodoxy. It was like, you know, legitimacy that I can actually be in both worlds. And I felt at home as a Jew. And um, just everywhere you walked in Yeshiva University, there was this tremendous sense of like pride in being a passionate Jew but also being a productive member in society. And I just was so proud to say I define myself as like a modern Orthodox Jew. And, and that, that's really what Rabbi Lamb, you know, uh, gave and uplifted uh, in, you know, the, the halls of Yeshiva University. And he spoke so eloquently, so beautifully. I mean, it was a Torah that could inspire anyone, no matter how knowledgeable you were of Judaism. And then when I left and I began to kind of work in the world, and to uh, expose myself to what we call humanity, uh, I began to get into the writings of Rabbi Sachs. And uh, his was um, a Torah which helped me understand my place in the broader sense of humanity. And um, it was an amazing Torah because I felt inspired not just to make an impact in the Jewish community, but in the world. And he spoke about that sense of purpose and mission that each of us has. And so I would say Rabbi Steinzeltz gave me a sense of who I am um, as an individual. Rabbi Lamb gave me a sense of who I am as a Jew. And Rabbi uh, Sachs gave me a sense of who I am as a human being and a sense of brotherhood for all of humanity. Um, that's, uh, you know, just a little bit of how they uh, impacted me and I'm sure so many, so many others. Yeah. We've got just a, a, a few minutes left. We have a, a comment here from someone in the comments. From Bruce Saul, he says, I'm a little older, semi-retired. Is it okay to be a part and contribute to MJE? <laughs> it's not okay to contribute. <laughs> First of all, I Bruce, it's been it's been an honor and a pleasure for you to uh, to have joined us all this time, and I hope you'll continue to join us. One of the nice things online, last night I was teaching in class, Ezra, and it was, you know, our group is 20s and 30s. Almost everyone was like probably 25 to 32, 33. It was a young group last night. Oh, good group, right? Very okay. nice group. And then an elderly gentleman got on, you know, he's fumfering around with, you keep seeing his hand trying to get, you know, the volume because he's trying to say something. And, and then he finally gets himself to speak. And he says, I think I'm on the wrong group. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and he was sitting there with his wife and I said, sir, what's your name? Da -da -da. And he said, oh, maybe I am. I said, stay with us. It's an, it's an honor and a pleasure. He was a 30 foot. He taught in the public school system for 35 years, a retired guy, um, and he was there with his wife. It was very sweet. Anyway, Bruce, um, please contribute. We need your money. We need um, your support. Binyamin, is there a term for the opposite of a Zoom bomb? Because <laughs> that guy know. came in and he wanted to actually contribute. He didn't want to blow things up. <laughs> right. Right. He was a Zoom mitzvah. A Zoom mitzvah. Yeah. Yeah. The, he was. Yeah. So okay, we, got um, about, we got about five yeah. or six minutes left here of this special lunch and learn. Uh, I want to know, um, what are you looking uh, Well, two things. I know MJE, we're lo looking ahead to 2021. Uh, Rabbi Wilds, I, I keep hearing you reference the fact that uh, you're, you hope to resume a lot in 2021. 
including the summer trip to Israel. Can you talk about that mm. a little bit? Yeah, Ezra and I are planning, okay, to the degree that we can. I just asked if we could try to get tickets now, if we can somehow get a little of a discount um, for our summer tickets, because we're not only planning on going to Israel in August. We have, we're we're going to have, it's going to be a three-week trip because we have to quarantine on both sides, but yeah, it won't be eight days anymore. It'll be a 21-day trip, yeah. Um, <laughs> We're, we're not only going to Israel, but what we want to do, and a lot of the fellows, and some of them might be watching this or later watching this, who, who got gypped, if you will, from their trip last summer, we want to bring them this summer. So we're, we're planning on bringing double the group, if we can. Um, we got to go out and raise some more money to do that because we subsidize all of those trips. And um, we want to be able to do that big time. And we feel... Um, I just spoke with a, with a friend yesterday whose sister got the vaccine in Israel, uh, and she's an attorney, um, you know, and, and I mean, she's on a, an attorney on the front line, so that's why she was starting to get it already, but there's no reason for us not to be able to go, um, and, and, you know, we're unfortunately not going to be able to do our ski retreat and probably not our spring retreat, but who knows, maybe we can do another thing like we did, um, we can do like a day thing outside, you know, once the weather gets better, we can do more outside again. Um, so yeah, we're planning on going to Israel big time. Um, it's, we, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's part and parcel of the fabric of MJE, our connection to, uh, the people, the land, uh, of Israel. And, um, you know, if there's ever been a time, uh, in our lives where we needed that spiritual boost, um, if there's, uh, ever been a time when we feel connected to our brotherhood, um, a sense of brotherhood in the Jewish community and in the world. Um, you know, it's just, uh, it's something that we Jews, you know, we, we thank God. I, I grew up in a time where, you know, uh, the, the dream of the promised land was not a dream. It was a reality. Uh, but I, I will tell you, I've been dreaming for the past six months. And Ainzu um, Agada, I don't believe that uh, it is just, um, you know, star puff in the sky. I think we can go. I think we have an obligation to go. Um, we Jews in America, we have to show our support. We have to stay connected to the land. Um, I'm pretty sure that El Al will be back up and running. And um, it is our spiritual line um, to our history and to the Jewish future. And so uh, it is so important that we go this summer. We're going to do whatever we can to go, to bring a large group, um, to tour, to travel, um, to give ourselves that uh, extra sense of inspiration. I always know when I come back, I feel just extra juiced and jazzed as a Jew. And um, we're hopefully going to be able to roll out uh, some advertising and marketing soon. We'd love for everybody to join us. And um, as soon as those gates are open, um, you know, let's take advantage of it and uh, let's travel and specifically travel uh, to our homeland, the land of Israel. If, if anyone wants to, thank you, Ezra, if anyone wants to donate and help us bring more people to Israel this summer, I mean that sincerely, mm -hmm. um, we, we could really use, uh, it's $1,800 for us to bring somebody, they pay the other 1800 that's in terms of our fellows, uh, and, the, and the heritage. People don't just come for, for half off, they're signing up for classes, they're involved in the community, it's not cheap to go to Israel, and our, our population is a young one who can't always always afford it. So if anybody wants to help sponsor anyone to go to Israel, $1,800 for a full person or whatever you can contribute in order to help us start getting ready for next summer because we're going to have to start fundraising right away for this. And I'm really, and I'm excited. This is the kind of, and yeah. 
Yeah, it's just, um, you, you know, um, they, they say um, uh, a, a trip to Israel is probably like in terms of like spiritual impact and impression, the equivalent, I would say, of a half a year attendance at the MJE Minion. Um, a year attendance at the uh, at Monday Night Basic Judaism with Rabbi Wilds. Um, when you go to Israel, we all need that uh, sense of soulfulness and spiritual uplifting. Um, I tell you, those eight days uh, can can really propel you forward in, in no other way. Um, with any other Jewish experience, the Shabbaton, the retreats that we do, the classes, the davening, um, just. Being in Israel, walking in the land with our tour guides and educators and together as a Jewish community it is one of the most um, inspiring things I think that you can do as a Jew. So please, everyone, come and join, contribute uh, so we can bring as many people as possible. Uh, this has been a great conversation. We got about 60 seconds left. No. Uh, and I just want to ask uh, one final question, maybe 30 second answer from each of you. Uh, and it impossible. To, uh, impossible. I know it's a rabbi to a short answer, but you know you've talked a lot about what the future in 2021 holds for MJE and its programming. But I want to ask, just I want to end with this personally. What are you most looking forward to in 2021? Oh my gosh, Oof. Ezra, you take it first, man. Yeah, 25 seconds each. <laughs> <laughs> We're losing time. I'm looking forward, Binyamin. I'm looking forward to coming to visit you. Oh, oh, that's because good. I, like that. I, I, I got to tell you, it's it's OK with family Zooms. It's OK, you know, when families stand outside in the freezing cold. But we got to get into each other's homes. And, and I don't mean that in a strange and weird, awkward way, <laughs> but just hang out again with one another as family without mask on, without being afraid and fearful of each other, just to like, you know, rekindle, reunite as a family again. So I'm, I'm looking forward to coming to visit your bed and breakfast in uh, West Virginia, I know I need to show a sign that says I took the COVID vaccine for you to allow me in. temperature when you walk in. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> but uh, that, that's what I'm, I mean, I, you know, that's what from a personal place, look at the sun is shining on me now. <laughs> yeah. And Rabbi Wilds, what about you? Yeah, I'll go personal also. I'm going to see my son who's in Israel. Mm -hmm. uh, who uh, I thank you, Benjamin, for allowing us to be connected every Saturday night in Abdullah at an ungodly hour for him and a nice time for me. But uh, I miss him, and I feel, you know, like just what we were saying before about Israel, I feel a little disconnected. I have a lot of friends and family there, and my own son, and uh, I want to visit him there. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that, and my, uh, I have another son who's a senior in high school, which means that next year, next fall, he's going to, please God, be there, and I, I want to be able to visit him as well. So I'm looking forward to being able to travel a little more uh, in general and specifically in Israel. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, it, it, this has been a really enjoyable conversation. I really enjoyed chatting with both of you, hearing about the year that was, the year that will be, who knows what will be in the future. Uh, yeah. if, any, if you want, you can share this video. It's going to live on Facebook. If you want to share it to your Facebook page or to your friends or family, if you want them to watch it, it's also in the next 24 hours going to be posted to the Wildscast podcast ooh, feed. If you're ooh. not already a subscriber, I highly recommend Highly recommend the Wilds cast. You get weekly interviews, intriguing, thoughtful, pensive interviews from Rabbi Wilds. And you get the special Wilds cast coffee cup, right? If you, yeah, if yeah. you, oh, if you sign up now, if you donate $18, you get a tote bag. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I want to thank you both for, for taking the time. And, uh, 
Check out the MJE Facebook page. There's constant programming. There's a class tonight with Rabbi Avi Heller. Let's uh, see. Here, as well. uh, we're going to shake, shake, shake hands. hands. Other shake way, hands. other way. There, there it is. There it is. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, everybody, have a great rest of the day. We'll see you on. Wait, long one later. last. Is it one yeah. last? We, we, you know, uh, of course, I just want everyone to thank you, Binyamin, for all the great work that you do. It's uh, you do uh, the work of multiple people um, in a short amount of time. It's really been a blessing to us, uh, all the help that you've given us uh, to stay online, to stay virtual, to stay, most importantly, uh, connected to our community. So thank you for all of your amazing work, Binyamin. Uh, we uh, owe you a tremendous uh, debt of gratitude. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you. And also just a reminder, everybody, um, to, uh, to stay in touch with us on Facebook. Uh, we're doing daily lunch and learns uh, every day at 1230. Uh, we have a really cool program coming up Thursday night. It's called Chinese and Chess. Um, on the eve of Christmas, we're going to be um, uh, giving out a special uh, Chinese food packages and there'll be a special chess tutorial. It's called the Lord's Gambit. Yeah, it's going nice. to be a special program Thursday night. Rabbi Wallace is like, when did this come about? This was last <laughs> night we came up with it. And um, I want to thank Dr. Dina Berkowitz. Uh, this coming weekend, we have indoor services, safe, with the windows open. So it's indoors, outdoors. We have HEPA filters, masking. I just want everybody to know the doors of MJE are open. Uh, stay connected to us on Facebook, on Instagram. Uh, stay connected to us in person. We're still meeting in person, uh, weekly on Shabbat. So um, we'd love to see you. And, um, you know, uh, wishing everybody uh, much health, much blessing. It should be a, a great year ahead. And, uh, you know, thank you to my, my colleagues and my friends for joining online, Binyamin, and to Rabbi Wiles, and to everybody in Facebook land. Uh, I don't see your names on there, but um, thank you for taking out time today to join us at MJE. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Wildscast. Subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. If you haven't already, please leave us a review on the Apple Podcast Store. It only takes a minute, and when you do, it helps others discover the show. Music from today's episode comes courtesy of Yosef Wilds. For more information about the Manhattan Jewish Experience, please visit our website at jewishexperience.org. Or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks again for joining us.